Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Hello, Dr. Larry Moyer, and welcome as a host to the Transform 365 podcast, where we're devoted to sharing the gospel of grace clearly and growing individuals in discipleship in Christ. I want to start with a, a little background uh, uh, about you, and um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little bit of a background about yourself, you know, where you're from, you know, how you got into ministry, and uh, things of that nature. Just introduce yourself to uh, the folks that are listening. Well, I was born and raised on a dairy farm in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And I came to Christ through the sport of hunting. Uh, Dad said, if you work hard all year, when November comes, you can have the whole month off to go hunting. And I'm <laughs> one av a hunter. And so every day after school, every Saturday, I hit the woods. And the thing I could not fathom is a God that would make it and leave it. That made no sense to me at all. So where is he? What tree is he behind? What rock is he under? So I decided to study the Bible, and I came to Christ for my personal Bible study. I wow. knelt one night by my bed and said, God, the best I know how I'm trusting Christ in my early teens. So God took me from the creation, the creator to Christ. And uh, I came to Christ through the sport of hunting. And from the day I was saved, I wanted to be an evangelist. That's all I wanted to do. So I went to Philadelphia College of Bible to get my undergraduate degree. Down seminary to get my master's degree. Then I got my doctor of ministry degree from Gordon Conrup in Boston. And uh, in 1973, I found the Evantel that's committed to presenting a gospel clarity and training believers to do the same. Everything we do is evangelizing, training others. So I've been evangelist now for 49 years and uh, loving every minute of it. Yeah, don't regret a moment, not a second. No. <laughs> that's that's amazing uh, just how God's word reached into your heart and and changed you in, in yes way. Uh, Dr. Moyer, you have a passion for evangelism, um, as, as that is your drive and your calling in life, and you write prolifically on that topic. Uh, share Christ at the workplace, uh, 31 days with the master fisherman, welcome to the family, personal evangelism, free and clear, and three-minute window, just to name a few of the books that you've written. Let me ask you, why do you think it's important to share the gospel clearly uh because unless to share clearly people don't always understand what they've done uh we should never make confusing what god makes so clear and god makes it very clear we come to him as sinners recognize christ died for us rose and trust in him alone and there's nothing more important than knowing for sure a person going to heaven and because of that there's nothing important in sharing clearly because otherwise people can misunderstand and the one message they should never, ever misunderstand is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because God makes it clear and wants us to do the same. Mm-hmm. That we're simply saved by grace with no human endeavor on our part or human merit. It's simply a gift of God. And we have to make that clear because God makes it clear. 
Amen. Amen. Dr. Moore, you um, mentioned you went to DTS Dallas Theological Seminary. What year did you go to Dallas? 69 to 73. Oh, wow. Can you mention some of the professors you had? Because we, um, I know we have, a, Cody's library is full of <laughs> DTS authors here, so. Yeah, I think I went there during the heyday of Dallas Seminary. Right. Um, Hannah Robinson, Dwight Pentecost, uh, John Walbert, Bruce Walkey, uh, Howard Hendricks, Charles Rary. Uh, uh, I had all those uh, that I I one time ended up, I had over 200 years experience teaching me. Did you have Greek with Zane or? or Pardon? Did you have Greek with um, Zane Hodges or? S- I didn't. I got to know him, but I didn't really have a class under him. I got okay. to know him more after I graduated. Okay. Well, uh, your book, Free and Clear, and those are some some giants in uh, really just, just um, keeping salvation, salvation, uh, and discipleship, discipleship, really just separating the two and keeping those clear, those men that you mentioned. Um, your, your book, Free and Clear, is all about communicating clear gospel. Um, you've already mentioned uh, why that's important. But uh, can you let us know why you think it's important for a believer to share the gospel, whether they feel gifted in sharing the gospel or not? I think uh, once you come to Christ, then God invites you to be his disciple. And the first thing Christ ever taught disciples was evangelism. Follow mm-hmm. me, I'll make you fishers of men. Therefore, what's a priority of his ought to be a priority of ours as well. And because it's the first thing on his list, it ought to be the first thing on ours. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to when it comes to evangelism, Dr. Moyer, you know, we live in this age of social media. You know, we see um, church, you know, unfortunately now people are going to church online, which I know we don't agree with that. Yeah. We'd rather go to church, you know, being, you know, being pers- in person. Um, do you think evangelism has changed um, in, this, in this, you know, day that we live in now? Or uh, a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, the thing that burdens me, the passion for the lost is not close to where it was in 1973 when I started. I think the church as a whole has lost its passion for the lost. Um, uh, it's not even close to where it was in 1973 when I started. Yeah. The um, uh, thing I find interesting about that, I've been in it for 49 years. I've never seen a time when non-Christians are more approachable than today. Yes. Uh, Dr. Rari say, oh, you got to ask if you were the devil, how would you do it? Mm-hmm. I think in a day that's great for evangelism, Satan's working overtime on the church. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing in my mind. The other thing is the message never changes. Christ died for sins, rose from the dead. We tell people the Bible is six, six books, the gospel is ten words. Christ died for sins, rose from the dead. Uh, but the method changes. Uh, I did crusades for 20 years, 73 to 93. Then uh, I noticed it was harder to get people out to church, harder to get them out during the week. So we went to a concept called Operation Friendship, restaurant evangelism. We averaged 40% non-Christians. Well, in 09, the economy fell flat. Uh, it was costing about $20 a person for uh, Operation Friendship. And someone said, why are you not speaking a wild game beast? You'd be a natural. You came to Christ through hunting. You're an Abba hunter. You've had great success. And I said, because I have no boredom for Christian hunters. Uh, the ones I knew of, they did for the men in their church. And that's not my calling. And they said, well, why don't you divide an outreach for unsaved? And the Lord would not let me go about it. And I'm having a blast in my life. <laughs> 54% unbelievers in attendance. 
our biggest problem is a big enough facility for the crowds. That's yeah. the biggest problem we're having. I yeah. just came back from Kansas. They were set up for 550, had 650 there. Wow. Uh, I've headed up to uh, Maryland next, and then Iowa, then Rhode Island, and Maine. And already they're wondering what they're going to do with the overflow crowd. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's a huge praise. Well, um, today you, you just you hit a topic that I think is really important to get into and dive into. And it, you said the, the Bible is 66 books and the gospel is 10 words. Uh, today, there's many references to that term, the gospel. And depending on one theology or philosophy, um, that can be open to uh, interpretation to some people. Um, but the Bible is very clear on what the gospel is. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of expression on that, if you would? Yeah, I think the gospel would define in 1 Corinthians 3 to 5. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. That's the proof that he died. He arose again the third day. and He was seen. The fact that he was seen is proof that he arose. So his burial is proof that he died. The fact that he was seen is proof that he arose. So the gospel in 10 words is Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And I think we, we get confused because we say, well, the Bible is the gospel. No, the Bible is a whole lot more than the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's end time events, how to raise your children, how to treat your enemies, how to love your mate. Uh, but the Bible contains the gospel. The Bible is a whole lot more than the gospel. But the Bible is six, six books of gospel, with 10 words. But I think people, they get confused because they throw terms around without really explaining what they mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a common term nowadays to say, let's live the gospel have the gospel and everything. And um, you hear so much reference to the gospel, but you rarely hear the gospel shared. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that, you even hear the phrase, I'll tell you the gospel the truth. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Yeah. You know, it could be the truth about where I went yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. And, Moy, when it comes to um, evangelizing, um, obviously there's a difference between someone who presents the, you know, the free grace gospel compared to someone who believes in worship salvation, there's, there's obviously a big difference there. What do you say to a person who says when the free grace gospel is presented, what do you say to the person who says that that's all I need to do? Is it that easy? Um, co- you know, compared to how someone in the Lordship camp would say it was presented differently. And to them, it seems like the Lordship side, um, it's more, um, how would I say it, Cody? It's, it's, it's more, um, well, uh, what would you say to somebody that accuses uh, the gospel we preach as easy belief, yeah. believism? Compared to, you know, how a lordship person. If someone says, do you believe in easy believism? My first question is, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, if you mean all you have to do is walk on aisle, say a prayer, raise your hand. No, I don't. But right. that's not believing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you mean Christ died on the cross, it's a free gift, you can't earn your way there, then yes, I believe in easy believers. Mm-hmm. But it all depends what you mean by that. God did the hard part. His son paid the price. So our part's the easy part, receiving a gift. And salvation is as simple as receiving a gift because Christ did the hard part. Now, once you trust Christ, then God wants you to live a, what I call a thank you letter to him for yeah. what he did for you. But I tell people, don't confuse any of the Christian life with living it. 
push you in and then you live up, don't confuse you too. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a, a quote attested to uh, J. Vernon McGee. I don't know if it really was his saying, but he said, friend, before you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you better make sure he's your Savior first. That's right. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you have to come recognize he's Lord God Almighty. Yeah. And make him Lord of every area of your life. It's not a part of salvation. Exactly. It's part yeah. of discipleship and growth. Exactly. I think there are areas you don't even know he's not Lord till you grow. Yeah. And if, if anyone says that every day Christ is Lord of every area of my life, well, he's obviously not because one place he's not Lord is pride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, because all of us have time to be bailed. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, I think if we're all being honest, um, you know, we, we're we not walking the walk in every area of our life 100% of the time. Yeah, that's for sure. Yes. So, uh, let me ask you, what would you tell somebody that just says, well, you know, I just don't have the gift of evangelism? Mm. Uh, I don't think the issue is do you have the gift is do you have the heart? Mm. Um, in other words, I meet a lot of people who have no gift of evangelism but they should have a heart for the lost. And I think every believer is who wants to be a disciple has to in some way reach out to the lost. It's not a requirement of being a Christian. It's a requirement of being a disciple. Mm. Uh, that if you're going to follow after Christ, then in some way you got to be involved in evangelism. That doesn't mean you have the gift. I think the gift is a special ability to reach the lost and build up believers for evangelism. I think it has two prongs. One directed to the non-Christian, one directed to Christian. The rich and lost, building up believers for evangelism. But the issue is, do you have a heart for it? As if you have a heart, God can help use you to win people to Christ. So it's a, a heart to, to love Jesus and a heart to love people is really at the... At heart to love the Lord and the lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about Bible tracts, Dr. Moyer? What's your opinion on Bible tracts? If you, for example, if, you know, if I had the opportunity to, to present the gospel... Would it be better to give them a tract or me personally speak to that person about Christ? I think whenever you have a chance to speak personally, you ought to, because interaction is key to evangelism. Yes. And paper cannot interact with you. People can. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the same time, I always carry a tract, have one there right now in my pocket, uh, because sometimes you don't have a chance to speak to somebody. Yeah. And uh, I tell people, paper's cold, you make it warm. Yeah. And the way you make it warm is you say, I want to share something with you. It's meant a lot to me. I think you enjoy it. Mm. Whenever appropriate, I write my name and number in the back and say, if you have any questions, give me a call. But I've met so many people who came to Christ who attract. Yeah. I hand them out every opportunity. Yeah. 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 Great point. Great point. And I wonder what track you're using there. <laughs> it's one someone gave me called. May I ask you a question? Yes. Those oh, are that's excellent. the best one. That's yeah. the best one. The best ones. And uh, you do do an excellent job of just keeping the gospel clear and just in a conversational form within that to to keep it going and flowing and putting it as simple as that as track is probably the famous the most famous track we have here at the church. We have a stack of them in our, in our sanctuary library. I mean lobby in English and Spanish. In English and Spanish. Yep. And whenever it's time to reload, they're all gone. Yeah. So we, yeah. It, it's hard it's, to them on the shelves. Yep. Yes. Now it's sixty languages. Wow. Wow. Praise God. So let me ask you, kind of keeping on the same idea of, you know, people that say, I don't have the gift or that's not for me. I'm not, a, you know, an evangelist or a pastor. What about somebody that says, you know, 
I just don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm intimidated by sharing the gospel because either, you know, maybe they're young in their faith or they're just not sure about, you know, somebody asking questions. So it makes them timid. Yeah. One of the things that keeps people from evangelism is just that they're afraid they can answer question objections. I remind them of two things. First of all, the one that wins the most people of Christ is a new believer. Mm. And they don't know anything. All they know is Christ died for me to rose. And secondly, the Bible never asks, can you defend me? The Bible asks, will you declare me? Yeah. Uh, and frankly, it's as you declare Christ, you learn how to answer question objections. Uh, but you don't have to be able to answer question objections in order to evangelize. Yeah. You hear prayer is very important, obviously. How, how would you really relate prayer with evangelism? Um I think uh, evangelism was exciting. You can talk to two people at the same time. Mm. You can talk to the Lord. You can talk to the lost. Mm. When I talk to the Lord. I ask him to give me boldness and opportunity. I talk yes. to the lost. I explain the gospel. And so I think prayer is essential. But at the same time you're talking to the Lord, you can be talking to God. Mm. You talk to God as you talk to men. Because God hears the whispers of the heart. Yeah. Right, man. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, by the way, you're an excellent follow on social media. I always are, am, am encouraged anytime you post something because it's always, you know, uh, got a heavenly focus. But um, one of the things you've been uh, posting a lot is on the idea of spiritual warfare and evangelism. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about prayer, we know that, uh, you know, the, the way to win a war is on your knees in prayer. But can you just explain a little bit about uh, the spiritual side of evangelism and when it comes to spiritual warfare? I often I talk to church leadership conferences, and I've been getting more and more invitations because I've been in it for 49 years. I love speaking to church leadership conferences and come up and meet people not down on top of them. I think we're here to encourage uh, people, not lambast them for not evangelizing, but encourage them. And uh, I tell church leaders, if you're not experiencing satanic opposition, you're not doing anything in evangelism. Because if you want to take Satan off, all you have to do is do something in evangelism. Because that's a direct attack against his kingdom. Now at the same time, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And therefore, I can go out victoriously recognizing I have the upper hand because Christ in me. But I think go prepare for spiritual warfare. Satan will try to do everything to discourage you. I often tell people, if you decide, I'm going to consistently talk to others about Christ. Not every other year, but every other opportunity. I'm going to consistently talk about Christ. The first one will probably be one of the hardest, most cold, callous people you'd ever want to meet. <laughs> because Satan will use that to say they're all like that. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, go ahead. And the fact is, they aren't. But that's satanic warfare. Yeah. And you have to expect it and think of all the things Satan could use one of his master tools is discouragement. Yeah. That's one of the master tools. Yeah. And uh, you have to recognize that simply satanic. Yeah, even Paul at the end of the explaining the armor of God, he says, you know, and pray for me for boldness. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. for us to realize is that, you know, we have to pray. Like you said, it's that conversation between two, you know, you're having a conversation with two people at the same time. You're talking to God and also talking to the individual as you evangelize. And I think that's important to realize we we're talking to God saying, Lord, make me bold in this moment, you know, take me out of my shell. Uh, give me your words. Have, help me love this person the way you love them. I think it is important to do as well. So um, 
Now, we love to always kind of ask this question whenever we have a guest on, Larry, and you've been uh, so gracious in giving us your time. Um, What set you on your theological road in in the past, in in the path that you are today? Uh, you know, you've shared me a little bit about your salvation experience, uh, but I, I want to know what drew you in and influenced your current beliefs that you hold today. Uh, I would still be an evangelist had I not gone to Dallas Seminary. What Dallas Seminary did was make me an expositor mm-hmm. because I met Haddon Robinson, who was my mentor, and uh, uh, he's one time made the comment, when you say, thus saith the Lord, you better be right. And that's <laughs> an awesome thing. Yeah. Um, and so it put the fear of God in me to say something that God did not say. And so to the influence of Dow Seminary, in particular, Dow, Hannah Robinson, I really was committed to exposition. What does the Bible say? And so many times we put evangelism over here and the Bible over here, and two of them never meet. And instead, we got to look at everything evangelism and say, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach? Because there's a lot of false teaching out there in evangelism. Yes. Yes, there is. Dr. Moya, how important is, um, um, you know, during a sermon to present um, the gospel? Should, should, should a gospel be presented in every sermon that you preach? And how would you do it? Uh, one of our latest books was The Three-Minute Window. You mentioned that. And uh, I think the gospel needs to be presented in every single sermon. But I think it has to be natural. Unsaved or unsaved, but they're not stupid. Right. And so, therefore, if it's awkward, they can sense it. But in every message, there's some way, and there I give a lot of different topics, over 100 of them, and how you can present the gospel in those topics. Uh, and you, But it has to be done in every message. But you can be talking about uh, parenting. You can be talking about uh, money. You can be talking about uh, 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 leisure, relaxation. You can talk about uh, any number of subjects. And whether they, whatever they be, uh, treating your neighbor right, um, whatever. And there's always a place that somehow you could bring the gospel very smoothly and very appropriately. But I think it ought to be mentioned in every message. I don't think every message can be directed unsaved. Right. Because the job of the church is to build up believers to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And therefore, I think messages have to be directed to believers more so than unbelievers on a regular basis. Yeah. At the same time, the gospel can always be presented because you always have to be conscious of the fact that it draws people in attendance. Yeah, I, I, I like to liken it to the Sermon on the Mount. You know, in, in Luke chapter 6, it, it says that Jesus was talking to his disciples and people were around him. There was that audience around him, but his address was his disciples. He turns his gaze to his disciples. So the bulk of what he's teaching is towards them. Uh, yes. It, it was to the benefit of everybody that was hearing what he had to say. Yeah. And so it's the same thing in a sermon. You know, we're supposed to be uplifting to build, correct, to reproof and training of righteousness, as scripture tells us, you know, according to Second Timothy, uh, you know, and using the opportunity of congregating on Sundays for that. But yeah, you always you always have to be aware that you can have a guest, you can have a visitor, you can have somebody that somebody's been working on as a neighbor for you know, the past 20 years and finally convince them to come to church. And so if you fail to share the gospel, maybe that was a lost opportunity. So yeah, you're dead right. We need to just always aware that, um, and we, we never know really 
uh, it's it, salvation is a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And I never know really if everybody in, in my congregation is saved. Right. So I need to constantly share. I need to constantly remind. I need to constantly point back to the Christ, uh, you know, his free gift of eternal life, you know, and what he did on the cross in order for, you know, maybe it's that one time that finally clicks in somebody's head. And so, uh, you know, it would be remiss for me to miss that. And even if everybody was a believer, they still need to be reminded of the gospel. Exactly. But people can so quickly slide away. From the yeah. simplicity of the gospel. Paul says in Galatians, I marvel that you're so soon removed from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you never know nowadays with um, technology, somebody could be listening. doesn't have to be somebody in the congregation. It could exactly. be just somebody listening online. Yeah. And there you go. You give them the gospel. Yeah. During the early times of the lockdown and the pandemic, we were having people from Chile, yeah. Argentina, Afghanistan, listening on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so you never know. You know, just because of situations such as that, who who might hear that message? That's right. Yes. Uh, final question, and again, let me give him. Let me give him. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me give him the final. Uh, go ahead. Can you name some heroes, uh, Doctor Moyer? Or I know your books are the best, in my opinion. But when it comes to evangelism, can you name a couple books and a couple of some of your heroes that you look up to when it comes to evangelism? Uh, well. Uh, uh, He's saying this that might sound strange, but <laughs> I think one thing to bear in mind, for example, I have the fondest respect for Billy Graham. Yes. I don't think he always made the gospel clear. Right. At the same time, I think he had a heart for the lost. Yes. And uh, I think, you know, you have to recognize, even though someone may not always make it clear as you like to, there's still something you can learn from them. Uh, I think of ones in the past, unfortunately, sometimes more than ones in the present, like D.L. Moody yep. uh, and those, uh, I think were great use of the Lord. Yes. Uh, and of course, in my life, no one impacted me more than Hattie Robinson. Uh, when I think of heroes, uh, Charles Rowry was not an evangelist, but he was a theologian. Yes. And so he's a real hero of mine. Uh, uh, Dwight Pentecost, the same thing. Uh, but some of my heroes have been those that affect me in Bible accuracy even more than did evangelism. Yes. Yeah. I heard uh, accounts and I'm not going to say stories, but firsthand accounts of people that had uh, Dr. Pentecost in class. And they said that he never came with notes. No. And (laughs) he never, never had anything written for, you know, what, what he was using, but he knew exactly where he left off. And just gave such gems in every single class that yeah. amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. I had just about everything he and Ted Robinson offered in seminary. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, what, what would you tell someone struggling with uh, some hard to understand passages in the Bible that seem to contradict? Um, and I'll give you an example. Like, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You know, the Acts passage compared to if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. For it's better to lose your eye than your entire body to go to what's translated hell or Gehenna. Uh, So what would you tell somebody that's struggling with passages like that, that believe that Jesus died for them, rose again, but now they're reading and confronted with passages like this, um, or maybe they're hearing it preached from the pulpit differently. 
and things like this, you know, passages where it presents something in this way and it confuses people makes, um, or they're, it's being presented in a way that makes it the gospel hard. Yeah. Uh, in real estate, people say the issue is location, location, location. Mm-hmm. In biblical interpretation, the issue is context, context, context. That when people misinterpret scripture, it's because they get out of context. I often use the uh, illustration, uh, I'm staying in Joe's home. In Joe's home is a fireplace. It reminds me of hell. If you took the first and third thing I said, you could say, Larry said he's staying in Joe's home. It reminds me of hell. <laughs> no, that second statement made all of the difference. In yeah. Joe's home is a fireplace. It reminds me of hell. Well, it's the same way. You got to look at the context. And some of the passages you talk about, he's referring to believers or he's referring to things to keep believers from Christ, but he's not taken away from the clarity of the gospel. And you always got to look at what's the context of the paragraph. There's a lot of paragraphs, particularly in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that the thrust of discipleship is not salvation. Mm -hmm. I think John is the principal book in terms of how to receive eternal life. Mm-hmm. Because he says in John 20, 31, these things are written that you might believe. and uh, But you have to always look at the context. Yeah. So if uh, somebody is looking at something like that, your, your, your uh, prescription, I guess you would say, to reading the Bible is keep it in context. Um, you know, what is, what is the writer trying to say? Uh, passages aren't meant to be read as a single verse and uh, we force it into our own understanding. We need to, we need to understand what's taking place in the entire chapter book and everything. I, I, yeah. No. Who is he speaking to? Yeah. Uh, what audience, what's his audience? Because that is absolutely key to understanding the paragraph. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, Larry, uh, thank you for your time. You've been a, uh, He's just guest hosts. Uh, where can people uh, get some of your materials and, you know, uh, just get trained in the clarity of the gospel? Because we didn't even touch that, but uh, you do uh, evangelism training for churches, for individuals. Yes. They can um, go to evantel.org and there they will find all the books, the online training, uh, the uh, uh, DVD training, everything we have online, evantel.org. Um, and they're happy to go there. Uh, but there's uh, just uh, they can I tell them to spend time on the website because the books are listed all the books are listed I've written Evangelist Study Bible is mentioned there uh, uh, and we're getting great response to and so that's where I advise them to go they can always call our office uh, uh, anytime and Danny at our office would be happy to help them but going online and look at our website would probably be the best help is the Evangelism Study Bible, are, those are all your notes? What, what Evangelism Study Bible, yeah, it's the conclusion of a six-year project. Wow. And has all kinds of articles and notes on Evangelism. Uh, the first ever Evangelism Study Bible. What translation? On our website. What translation? Uh, New King James? Uh, New, New King James. New King James, okay. Thank you. That's great. Well, again, that's uh, eventel.org, correct? Yes. Thank you, uh Reverend Larry, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you uh, uh, do this with us. And uh, again, just uh, make sure that you log on to eventel.org, peruse the different things that uh, Larry has available through Eventel and the Ministry of 
keeping the gospel clear and just uh, giving tracks and uh, training and so much other more material is available there. Uh, again, Dr. Moyer, you've been gracious and thank you for your time. Thank you. Whenever I can be of help, you let me know and keep up the good work you're doing there in Florida. Thank you. God thank bless. you, Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.